It is a beautiful Tuesday morning down here in South Florida. This is the Motorsport Ministry, your home for all hot takes, news, and other things going on in the racing world. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. So, like I did about a month or two ago, I took the noticeable NASCAR drivers, like notable throughout the season, and I basically said how their season was. Was it disappointing? Was it average? Or was it impressive? I couldn't do every driver in NASCAR because there's over 40 of them, and I'm not going to take two hours just to, like, you know, for example, like Quint Health, who was like, eh, he's about performance I expected. <clears throat> so we're going to do the same thing here with Formula One because the season obviously just ended a couple weeks ago. And the good thing about Formula One is because there's only 20 drivers, I can actually go through <clears throat> each and every driver. So like I said, the same rules are going to apply to the one in NASCAR. I'm going to go through each driver, go through their seasons, and basically rank them if they were disappointing, if it was average, or did they have an impressive season. I'm going to go from the bottom driver in the standings to the top driver. So from Mazepin to Verstappen. So that being said, let's start off with the former Nikita Mazepin. Nikita Mazepin, his season was... <laughs> Can you call it disappointing if this is almost what everyone was expecting like i have him under disappointing but it's like i think about his season and i'm not surprised this is what happened p21 in the standings he didn't even finish inside the top 20 he had a backup driver out point him technically even though he did none of them scored any points and he was just miles off the pace of schumacher his teammate I, the thing is I know Schumacher was the F2 champion, even though it was relatively close. But the gap between Schumacher and Mazepin wasn't that big in Formula 2 last year. So coming to this year where you're like, okay, they should be close to where Mazepin's almost a complete second off on average in qualifying. That's bad. That's really bad. I know he got better throughout most of the season, but, you know, people shit on Lance Stroll. They shit on Nicholas Latifi for being pay drivers. But at least you can see that they're competent. They at least show that they know what they're doing. And once in a while, they do have that fantastic result. Hell, even Latifi. If Russell didn't score points, he would have been ahead of Russell in his rookie season. Lance Stroll. In his rookie season, he scored a podium. Mazepin did nothing. Like, he was just... It's like he was still driving an F2 car, racing in Formula 1. But again, I have him under disappointing. But it's just like, can you call disappointing if this is what you expected to happen? When you're beaten by your fellow rookie teammate, by clearly off, clearly cut and dry, you're beaten by your rookie teammate. When you're basically a nuisance on the track, when a seven-time world champion basically says that you're a nuisance off the track, that's going to tell you something. And I think we all know, like, it's been well documented, but we all know he's only in that seat because of his father basically owning the team at this point. It's disappointing, but... I want to say I want to see Madsman improve, but how do you improve? Like, there's only way to improve, but I just don't see it. I wouldn't be surprised if Madsman had just as bad of a season next year as he does this year. I just don't see anything out of him. One of the worst rookie seasons. Like, I, I'm going to move on because the more I talk about it, the more it just makes me mad that someone this incompetent on is on the Formula 1 grid. So I'm going to move on. And we're going to move on to his other rookie teammate, Mick Schumacher. Schumacher, in my opinion, I was gonna, I was flirting with putting him in disappointing, 
but I'm going to put him in the average category. He was clearly ahead of Mazepin, which I think that's just more in line to how bad Mazepin is and how good Schumacher is. But you got to give credit where credit is due. He showed glimpses, like in Hungary, where he had that good defense against Lewis Hamilton when he was coming up through the field. So Schumacher does have potential. But he had too many crashes throughout the year. I read a stat where it showed like how much each driver basically costed each team. Schumacher was number one. Not Yuki Sonoda. Not Nikita Mazepin. Mick Schumacher. And I'm obviously that's due to those FP3 crashes, but Schumacher, that's not something we've seen out of Schumacher, especially in the lower categories. And I've been paying attention to Mick since his Formula 4 days. Yes, I know that the Haas car is very hard to drive. You might as well drive a stock car when driving that Haas car in Formula 1. But I don't know. All of those crashes, just a lot of mistakes. But he did have a lot of glimpses. So that's why I'm going to put him in that average category. But those crashes. And they were just very un-Mick-like. You never see, didn't see Mick have a lot of crashes coming into, you know, whatever series he was joining. Number three, we're going to go with Antonio Giovinazzi, and he's another driver I'm going to put in the disappointing category. Only three points finishes throughout the year, which is, which is, <sighs> Giovinazzi is a interesting fellow. He's very good at qualifying. I mean, he, clear as day he had a couple of um q3 appearances but he just can't convert he has no race pace whatsoever how do you have like what two or three q3 appearances and you only have two points finishes throughout the entire season you only get three points when you have clear opportunity to score more of his four q3 results only he only had one where he actually scored he actually had a neck gain. What do I mean by that? So Q3 is obviously the top 10. Giovinazzi had four of those throughout the season. And only one of those results did he improve from his position. All the other three, he either net loss or stayed the same. That's not good. I mean, it's pretty well clear that Giovinazzi doesn't really have the race pace, but it's your third season. You know your seat is on the line, and you just didn't deliver. And so... When Guan Yu Zhou is announced as his replacement, and you try to say it's all about the money, what have you done? You've done nothing to merit that seat. This is one thing, like, I know I'm getting very heated, but that's just one thing I really hate, is when, you know, it's different from last year, where Vettel replaced Perez, even though Perez, on merit, deserved his seat. He didn't complain. He's like, thank you for the team, I'll move on, and now he's at Red Bull. Giovinazzi's over here complaining about how Juan Ijo is only in the seat because of money. But what have you done to counteract that? You've only scored three points finishes. You were once again beaten by your clearly out of his prime teammate, Kimi Raikkonen. You had a decent chunk of incidences throughout the year. You've done nothing to warrant your seat. So when you want to complain that's about money, no, buddy. It's about that you're just not good as a Formula One driver. He's decent in sports cars, but Formula 1 is just not his forte. Number four, we're going to put Nicholas Latifi, and a lot of people have him in their top five worst drivers of the year. I'm going to go off script, and I'm going to say Nicholas Latifi had a fairly impressive season. 
Al qualified Russell twice on the year. Now, look, I get that what they're putting onto Nicholas Latifi is that he was demolished by George Russell. But everyone wants to put George Russell on the same pedestal as Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. So if you want to put Russell on that pedestal, then you have to officially classify him in a different category. That category where it's like the best of the best, one of the greatest. So beating, so if you get demolished by your teammate, and I put Russell in that category, maybe not as much as some people, I will put him in that category. I'm not going to hold it as much against Nicholas Satifi as some people will. Now, if Nicholas Satifi was going up against, let's say, Alexander Albon, and then that those results happen, then, okay, I could see where they're coming from. But you're trying to hold something against someone going up against what you consider one of the probably top three, top five driver on the grid. A driver who many people say who, like for Sapic, can give Lewis Hamilton a run for his money. Lewis Hamilton, one of the greatest, if not the greatest driver of all time. So you want to hold you want to hold Russell to that category. In my opinion, you can't hold Nikita Mazepin to such a low standard then compared to Russell. Like people say, like, oh, Perez, oh, he beat Verstappen. That's actually really damn good. But no one really holds that much against Sergio. Same way no one really held that much against Valtteri Bottas, especially this year when he was clearly destroyed by Hamilton. They don't put it that much against him. And you saw a clear improvement from Nicholas Satifi from last year to this from last year to this year. Nicholas Satifi is he's like a poor man's lawn stroll, where he doesn't do anything bad. Latifi, in my opinion, I put him in the same category as someone like a lawn stroll, like Sebastian Vettel, and like a Valtteri Bottas. He's gonna do as well as the car allows him to do. He's not gonna disappoint the car. He's not gonna improve on the car. Where if the car is gonna run fifteenth, it's gonna run fifteenth. If the car runs fifth, he'll run fifth. That's the kind of driver I think Nicholas Latifi is from what I've seen throughout his two years in Formula One. And I think it's he's had a fairly impressive season. Seven points. Usually he has he's been slightly more consistent than Russell, I've noticed. Whereas but Russell has more highs, Russell also has a little more mistakes. But in my opinion, that comes with being such a out-of-world Formula One driver. You're gonna have more mistakes because you're up front more, more there's more on the line for you. Whereas someone with Latifi, you're in the back, not much of that stake, so you don't really need to make as many potential mistakes. So Latifi, I think, had a fairly impressive season. And I don't know just because my bias for Nicholas Latifi, but I think the guy gets way too much hate. Because, again, if you're going to hold Russell to, to the levels of Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, you can't hold Nicholas Latifi to the same standards like a Nikita Mazepin or a Mick Schumacher. You just can't. So... Nicholas Tiffy might be a little bit of a hot take, but I have him in the impressive category. I do not think he was one of the top five worst drivers in the year. I could easily name top five drivers that were way more disappointing than him. And I've already named two of them. Hell, I'd say he had a better season than Mick Schumacher, for crying out loud. Number five, I'm going to go with Kimi Raikkonen. I'm going to put him in the average category. His lack of awareness on track was a problem. You can clearly tell that he didn't really have it anymore, that he was on his way out. But he did manage to score 10 points throughout the year. Decent chunk. But, again, I just think Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, they underperformed in that Alfa Romeo. I think the Alfa Romeo had potential to even compete with the Aston Martin or, hell, might even compete with the Alpine. I think that's how good the package was because we've seen it, especially with, like, Gio's quality pace and some of Kimi's race pace. I think that Alfa did have a lot of potential. It was just wasted by the two drivers. But Kimi... For where he is at the stage of his career, 
I think he had did a very solid job, and I have Kimi Räikkönen in the average category. Number six, we got George Russell, and I'm going to put him in the impressive category as well. He did have that P2 podium finish at Belgium. It was kind of a farce. That whole race was a farce, but he did qualify in P2, so that cannot be overstated. He only had two races this year where he was out of Q1. In a Williams, the eighth worst car on the grid, or the eighth best car on the grid, that's pretty damn good. I mean, we know he's very good at qualifying, but Russell, I think he's going to have a time at Mercedes next year. I don't know if he's going to push Hamilton right away, because we said the same thing with Valtteri Bottas, and look what happened with Bottas. So let's see what happens in 2022, George Russell versus Lewis Hamilton. But Russell, I think very much, Russell is weird because he's so impressive, but you just know it. There's not much really to say. I mean, there's still to say that P2 finish and only having two finish sets outside of Q1. But he's so good. It's like, yeah, he's just good. Like, he's just fantastic. What else do you want me to say? Let's look at the results and they'll tell you everything. Number seven on the list, I'm out of Yuki Sonoda. is another driver who gets, I believe, a smidge too much hate for his rookie season. I'm going to put him in average. He only had... One qualifying win over Pierre Gasly throughout the year, and that was in the final race. So he was almost whitewashed, which is disastrous. But top 15 in points as a rookie, I mean, you were ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. You were ahead of, who else was he ahead of in San? You were ahead of George Russell. I believe he finished 13th in the points. Ahead of some decent drivers with a lot of experience. So I think he had a fairly solid season. However, the amount of mistakes he made, the amount of crashes, and just not looking like he was really prepared for Formula 1. And I don't really put that on him. I think it's just because he went from Formula 4, from Formula 3, to Formula 2, to Formula 1, just consecutive years. I do think that kind of hurt him a little bit. He probably needed maybe one more year of F2 just to get used to the environment more. And then I think he'd be ready for Formula 1. But overall, I think at an average season, I mean... 32 points to end the year, top 15 for a rookie. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of mistakes, but he wasn't, like, god-awful. Like, he wasn't, like, a top bottom two worst driver of the year, in my opinion. Number eight, I'm going to go with Lon Stroll and just... I think this is going to be the shortest one that I'm going to explain, but Lon Stroll, he was average. He was just okay. Like, there's no highlights in terms of disappointments or impressive. He was just there. Like, I can't fault him for anything. I can't say he was good at anything. He was just there. <laughs> That's just what Lon Stroll is. He's mostly just there. That's literally all I can say. I'm trying to think of more I can say for Lon Stroll. Yeah, he scored more points finishes than Sebastian Vettel, but there were like eighths and ninths and tenths. Like I said, he was just there. That's all I can say for Lon Stroll. Number nine, I got Sebastian Vettel, and I'm going to put him in the impressive category. He had a P2 finish in Baku. He really should have two second place finishes, but obviously he got disqualified in Hungary because of a fuel issue. And he did deliver in an underperforming Aston Martin, in my opinion. Now, I know he didn't have that many points finishes throughout the year, and the first half of the season was kind of rough, but you did see a lot of the old Seb in these races, like the P5 and Monaco. Like I said, the two P2s throughout the season. Vettel, I think, got accustomed to that Aston Martin, especially coming off a shocking season with Ferrari. So, putting it to perspective, he had very similar seasons both years, but considering how bad Ferrari was compared to where he was at Aston Martin, how bad Aston Martin was, I think he had a fairly good season. 
Number 10, I'm going to go with Esteban Ocon. I'm putting him in the impressive category. He got that win in Hungary. That cannot be overstated. He had a strong first half of the season where the first half of the season, you look like he looked like he was going to be Fernando Alonso, but then Alonso finally found his footing and he demolished, well, not really demolished Ocon. They were fairly close, but you could tell Alonso's overall ability started to overshine Esmond Ocon. And Ocon was more consistent throughout the year, in my opinion, than Fernando Alonso. I know he had that slump where like he just had a bunch of Q1 outs, but Overall, I think Ocon had a very impressive season, and that win can just not be overstated. Especially because he led a majority of that race, too. So, overall, Ocon had a very good season, in my opinion. Number 10, or number 11, Fernando Alonso. I'm also going to put in the impressive category. We're going to go through a little stretch of impressive drivers here. He was a top 10 after a two-year hiatus in the point standings. In his final season with McLaren, he finished, I believe, 11th in points. And in 2017, I believe he finished like 15th or 16th in the points. So to come back from a two-year hiatus to finish top 10 in the points and score your fourth first podium in over seven years, that's a fantastic season in my opinion. A lot of people, they were doubting whether Fernando Alonso still had it given his age and his time outside of Formula 1. He proved to everyone that he's still one of the top quality drivers on the grid and I believe Alonso deserves to be in the impressive category. Number 12, another impressive driver. We got Pierre Gasly. I mean, this was Gasly's best season. He had over, I believe, half of the races where he qualified inside the top six. And he was well clear, cut, and dry ahead of Yuki Sonoda throughout the entire season. He would have whitewashed Sonoda if it wasn't for Abu Dhabi. So Pierre Gasly is another driver where it's like, Ever since he got dropped by Red Bull, he's just been on another planet. Like, he's got a point to prove. And it's going to be interesting next year how Pierre can appear can improve from this. Like, every year, ever since he's gotten dropped, it's been a clear improvement. The second half of 2019, he got that runner-up finish. 2020, he got that win. This year, he was just a monster throughout the entire season, including that podium in Baku. So... Gasly is one I want to look for next year to see how is he going to improve. I want to know how Pierre Gasly is going to top this season. Especially with a team like AlphaTart, where it's like, how do you improve off this? Because once you, I feel like if AlphaTart starts to improve, they're going to start pushing Red Bull. And my question is, does Red Bull really want that? Or are they going to take a little bit away from AlphaTart just to kind of keep them in that midfield range? And not have them be top echelon. Number 13 on the list, we got Daniel Ricardo. And, you know, a lot of people might put him in average just because of that win in Monza. And granted, that win in Monza was very impressive. He thoroughly deserved that Monza win. He had a great qualifying, a great sprint qualifying, and he led majority of the race, clear cut and dry. But throughout the entire year, he was demolished by Lando Norris. He struggled throughout most of the year. He had a lot of Q2 outs. He had a lot of races where he just didn't even finish inside the points. It's not like Ricardo was 8th and Lando was 5th. Ricardo would be like 13th or 14th and Lando would be 5th. So just knowing all that, knowing how bad Ricardo just performed, given that McLaren car, which clearly had the potential, Ricardo, I got to keep him in disappointment. Number 14, I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc. I debated putting him in average just because 
of how he was being by Carlos Sainz, just from the fact that he had a lot of incidences. Like, I know Monaco, he didn't get the start, but at the end of the day, he was the one that binned it. So that's not unlucky, in my opinion. That's more of just his fault. But he did have two posts throughout the year. He nearly won Silverstone. He had so many P4. He had like six P4 finishes throughout the year. Leclerc is one of the top drivers in the field, so I have to put him in impressive. It's just the mistakes just stick out to me too much. I think that's why I want to put him in average. But once I actually looked at his stats, looked at his performances, you got to put him in impressive. There's no way you couldn't. Number 15, I got Lando Norris, another driver I'm going to put in the impressive category. Four podiums throughout the year. Top five finished in eight of the nine races to begin the season. Only one DNF all season long, and I believe that was at Hungary. And coming into the second half of the season, once we came back at Belgium, he was third in the points. Ahead of a Mercedes and Valtteri Bottas and ahead of a Red Bull in Sergio Perez. And a McLaren. That hasn't been a top three team since, besides 2020, since the Turbo Hybrid era began. Lando Norris really just came out and he put his foot on the door. Saying, I'm here to stay. I'm a future Formula 1 world champion and I'm going to prove it on track. And that's exactly what he did. I know the second half of the year wasn't great, but I feel like that was more due to the McLaren just kind of falling off more so than Norris himself. But Lando was just one of the best drivers all year. He was easily a top three driver all season long. And, I mean, if McLaren get their stuff together, especially with these new regs, we could be seeing Lando Norris as a brand new Formula One world champion. Number 16, Carlos Sainz. And he's another driver who I'm putting in the impressive category. Four podiums throughout the year. Beat Leclerc in points. Top five in points in a Ferrari. First time for us in the top five in points since 2019. And like I said, Leclerc, I feel like more consistently was better than Sainz throughout the year, but Sainz is high. We're just, when the pieces were meant to be picked up, it was always Carlos Sainz that did it. It was never Leclerc. And I think that has a lot to do with how Carlos Sainz is as a driver. A lot of people say he's underrated. I think Carlos Sainz does have the, I've been saying this since 2019, ever since his McLaren days. I do think that Carlos Sainz has the potential to be a future world champion. And I've been waiting for the season where he just proves it to everyone. And this is the season he's done it. Like I said, four podiums, P5 in the standings. Not that far off of Sergio Perez. He was only like 25 points off of Perez to where he could have finished fourth in the standings. Carlos Sainz, he's going to be one to watch, especially next. If Ferrari can bring a car next year to compete for the title... I think it's going to be Carlos Sainz who competes for him more than Charles. Because Sainz makes less mistakes and picks up the pieces more so than Leclerc does. Like, if there, there will be races where Leclerc DNFs and Carlos Sainz is on the podium. That's how good Carlos Sainz is. So Carlos Sainz is another driver we'll put in the impressive category. So as we head into the top four, number 17 is Sergio Perez. He's another driver I'm going to put in the average category. He did get that win at Baku which is the first time a non Red Bulls had a non-Verstappen win since 2018 with Daniel Ricciardo. However, he did have a mid-season slump. He went from France to, I forgot, I think it was Turkey. though From France to Turkey where he didn't even score a podium finish. And a, 
you can argue Paris is the reason why Red Bull did not compete, did not win the 2021 Constructors Championship. Now, I know that has a lot to do with that Red Bull seat being cursed in the sense of it's so tailor-made to Verstappen, and rightfully so, might I add, that it's hard for other drivers to adapt. And I do think Paris did the best job out of the three, clearly, post-Daniel Ricciardo. And he did have a late-season surge. But again, that late-season slump, if Perez was a little more consistent, they probably would have won the Constructors' title. So, Perez, I had a little higher standards for Sergio this year. I thought he'd be a little closer. But I'm going to put him in the average category. Another driver I'm going to put in the average category is Valtteri Bottas. He did have a second-half surge getting that one win in Turkey, even though he's in a Mercedes. He only nabbed one win. He only nabbed one runner-up finish. So, not great for his final season with Mercedes. And he did have that first half slump where he was behind Perez and he was behind Norris. And he just has too many races where, like, if Perez is behind, he always works his way up throughout the field to where he finishes eventually into the top six. And you're like, okay, there he is. That, that should be where Perez is. Bill has to have races where he's like 11th or 12th and he just stays there. He needs to work on his race craft. It's funny, I made a joke with my co-worker where it was the final race of the season where Botas was like ninth or 8th, and I just told her, he's just getting used to where he's going to run next year. But it's just, he has too many of these races where he's just, meh. And you can't have meh races inside of Mercedes. And I do think that was the reason he did get cut. I genuinely believe Botas got cut. I did not think that he wanted to leave Mercedes. So Botas, I'm going to put in the average category just because he did have that second half surge. But... I can see where someone might put him in the disappointing category. Number 19, Lewis Hamilton. I wanted to put him in average just because, like, again, with me, it's like you put some of these drivers at such a high pedestal, then we even make the smallest bit of mistakes. It kind of just sticks out to you. Like a Ricardo, like a Verstappen, like a Hamilton, where it just sticks out. But Hamilton, I mean, nine wins on the, eight wins on the year, might I add. Took it to a title decider, going tied, winning three out of the last four races in a row. He scored 100-plus wins in Formula 1 this year. I mean, if this season doesn't show why he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, I don't know what season is going to show that. So, this season, in my opinion, shows why Lewis Hamilton is... He deserves to be in the impressive category. And it'll be interesting to see how he performs next year. I know there's rumors that he's going to leave Formula 1. I just don't see it. I can't see Lewis Hamilton just signing a contract and then be like, yeah, I'm going to leave. Goodbye. After just one, one race. He had so much luck this year. If he leaves because for once luck was not on his side, I think that will taint his image a little bit. Not a lot, but just a smidge. There will be some people who will be like, oh, wow, he's just a sore loser. And finally, your world champion, Max Verstappen. He is obviously going to be in the impressive category. Ten wins. Eight second place finishes. Pretty much every race minus Italy, you can argue that he didn't score in the points right in an incident. You can argue it wasn't his fault. 2021 champion. All He scored the season uh, Formula 1 record for all-time one-season podiums. He had 18 podiums, which is the most in a Formula 1 history. More than Schumacher and more than Lewis Hamilton's ever done. Verstappen... We always said if Verstappen had the car to compete for a championship, 
he would take advantage. And he not only took advantage, he just wiped the floor with everyone, in my opinion. I think if he didn't have those four instances, incidents, he probably would have won the championship with like four races to go. And I do, and I'm being serious when I say that. Verstappen, in my opinion, just on another planet compared to every other driver, even more so than Lewis. Yeah, Lewis would be ahead some races, but like Verstappen, we had Lewis would be ahead. Like they both be like 30 seconds clear of the field, but Verstappen was like five seconds, 10 seconds ahead of Lewis. So putting all that into perspective, obviously I'm going to put Max Verstappen in the impressive category. So that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my rankings of the Formula One drivers. I have one more episode coming up before the end of the season. And then I'm going to take a little bit of a hiatus until unless some big news happens. Or I'm going to take a little bit of hiatus like saying, unless some big news happens until at least we get to the Rolex 24 in January. So that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to the Motorsport Ministry. If you guys want to listen to more episodes, check on Spotify to search up the Motorsport Ministry. You can find the rest of the catalog of episodes, and we'll see you next time.